We're going to be in Galatians uh, chapter 6, but I'm going to back up to the end of chapter 5 before we get started, because um, this, you know, we're up against something this morning because of the heat. This is important. I, I, I can't help but think this morning what we're going to see in the Word of God is very, very, very important. Um, it is a passion of my personal way. What we are going to speak about this morning, we're going to hear from the Lord who convinced me of this. And it is so important for us as a church to get, as, as Cliff was so happy, uh, he didn't know what a course I was teaching from, but when, when Cliff said that sometimes we just don't get it, I have a burning desire in my heart for people to just get it. I want you to get it. Because when you got it, it's got you. That's the deal. It gets you. Right? When the gospel gets you, it gets you, and then you've got it. And it's so good. The news is so good. And yet, so often I hid it under a rock. I'm the possessor of good news. I, I was thinking about this in the coffee shop this week. I was talking with some brothers, and I, I thought about the fact that how often do I come up and ask a person a very simple question? Do you know Jesus? What a simple question, right? Do you know Jesus? I started thinking about that, and there are multiple people who know something of the person of Jesus Christ. They all know a, a historicity of him. They'll know something of Christ. They'll be able to tell you something about him. And the passion in my heart is this. I want to say, but do you know him? Do you personally know him? Because I know him. And you can know him too. Right? Very important stuff. So, I said all that because I didn't want to say it, but now I'm ready. Uh, no, I said all that without a plan just because um, I know how tough it's going to be to, to focus in this morning because of the, the month. I really want us to get it this morning. Okay? I want us to focus in and hear what the Lord says, because this, this that we are about to hear, comes me great labor. I weep over it. I'm passionate about this, and it breaks my heart when I watch people who I love, who I care about, that they don't get it. They don't get it, and then I recognize it's not incumbent upon me for me to get it. But it isn't coming upon me to tell it to you. And we have to trust the Holy Spirit of God that you get it. So, I want the Holy Spirit of God to affect you this morning, and I want you to get it. So I'm going to read beginning in Galatians 5, 22, and I'm going to read through the end of chapter 6. 5, 22. But the Spirit... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the Word of God. I ask myself this question, what is the aim of the church? We've said this, that our aim is to know Jesus individually and personally, and to make Him known in our individual, personal sphere of influence. We've said this before. Well, as I was thinking about this week, um, we were working on organizing and preparing items to be removed from the building. And one of the tasks was to move books over to the mobile office. We were sorting through uh, books to find those that were theologically sound and those that were helpful. And there was a pile of books I saw that I, would, I put them in a category I called them hooey. Um, it's just hooey. It's fluff. Um, it's not very helpful. So I'm sorting through these books, and I came across several editions of The Purpose Through the Life. And though, although I believe that it is good to understand what our life purpose is in light of who God is, I believe we can and we have, as the American church have made too much of ourselves. We, we start with a position of my purpose. Instead of starting from the position, and this is what I would like us to start with as a church, I desire that we as a church ask God, God, what is your purpose in leaving the church here on earth? If we ask God, well, God, what is your purpose in leaving the church here on earth? Then we who are called to join her, we are joining in, in, in her godly purpose on earth, we will then find our purpose-driven life, right? That God's purpose is driving us and that he has called us to join a body together to do his work, to 
to follow his driven purpose and not our own. The tendency, of course, like I said, in American church is to bring our own purposes in, our own agendas, and then share them with each other, and then we don't agree on anything. Because then I want you want your purpose, and you want your purpose, and I want my purpose, and they don't often line up. But what if we said that as a church, we said, Lord, show me your God-designed, driven purpose for the church of Jesus Christ, and why is this church left here on earth? That's the good question, I believe. That is the really good question. So I say again, to say the same thing, because saying the same thing helps us absorb this, because this is really important. To find our purpose-driven life, we need to begin not with us, but we need to begin with God's purpose-driven reason for the existence of the church on earth. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to read to you a little bit of this. Beginning uh, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love them, who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I believe here lies the purpose of the Church of Jesus Christ and the duty of every individual member within her. We are called to make the Gospel of Jesus Christ visible in the life of our church and in our practices to the world. We make the gospel of Jesus Christ visible. We make the invisible wisdom of God visible. And I know that these are this truth that I tell you this morning, and our text reveals this truth, I believe, that when you... Uh, See this, you're going to come to an all-important question, and the one we should always ask is, how? So I just told you that, that our duty, what our job is, our duty is to make the gospel, the invisible gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that we proclaim, visible in the world. And we need to make it visible here in this room. The gospel needs to be visible right here, right where we sit, right where we stand. The gospel needs to be visible, which is the reason why I wanted to open with communion. It's the visible gospel. We see the gospel as, as Cliff so clearly explained from the Old Testament, clear to the New Testament, and all that is in between is making the gospel of Jesus Christ visible. And that is the goal. That is the labor. And it is a tough job for us, isn't it? Because to tell somebody this story seems out there. We need to make it visible. Well, What's our first step? Let's look at, at 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I say that our first step in making the gospel of Jesus Christ visible to the world around us is that we bear the fruit of our personal transformation. We must bear fruit that this indeed is true. You can say that Jesus Christ saves. You can say that Jesus Christ will change your life. Jesus Christ has to have changed your life in order for you to have any credibility in making that statement. You, you have no credibility whatsoever if you're not bearing fruit. Notice this, that this fruit bearing is not an outward thing, is it? It's really sort of an inward, personal change. That you have become one of those kind and gentle and faithful, self-controlled, right? It's something that happens in us. It's not something that is produced. It's something that's produced in us, but we don't produce it. God has produced that in us. That is, that we, as a congregation, what would we hold as the litmus test for those who make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ? What is our litmus test? That is our litmus test. To proclaim the faith, are you bearing fruit that is evident of that confession of Jesus Christ? Fruit bearing evidence of the confession. For us individually, when we test the Spirit against our natural desires, in other words, we ask ourselves this. Not is this a work I'm doing worthy of God, but does our work bear witness, bear evidence of God's work in us? Right? When we think about what it is that we're to do as a body, how we're to make Christ visible in the world, we don't ask ourselves, is this a work worthy of God? We ask, does this work bear evidence that God is working in us? Right? Is God working in me? That bears evidence. That makes the gospel visible. It makes it visible. Yet, to put it another way, is that are we living in sync with our confession of faith? Does what we do line up with what we say and what we believe? 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I've asked this question, and I've asked it months ago. How are we doing at applying the gospel among ourselves? How are we doing at that? Remember about a year ago, as we started this journey, I said that one of the ways that we make the gospel visible in the world is by how we gossip the gospel among us among us as a group. As we are walking in the fruit of the Spirit, it's only made available, only made able, we are only made able by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we are applying that gospel to those that are trapped, those that are trapped by sin among us. Further, you might recall that I said that the church is only as healthy as its sickest member, or only as good as the sickest person in the room here. Our church is only as healthy as our sickest person. And when we question that, why is this person ill? Why is this person not flourishing? It could be that you and I 
have not helped them by applying the gospel to them. By applying the gospel in their sins to help them. The gospel's about love, isn't it? It's not about condemnation. You're not going to your brother or sister across the aisle saying, look, I know you're messed up and you need to get yourself right. No. It's about saying, I see where you're at. Do you recognize that Jesus Christ fully absorbed all of that where you are? That sickness he took on himself that you might be well? Do you know that? Do you know that the gospel applies to that? When a person is contrary to us, when we battle with one another, instead of battling, could we apply the gospel? Could we apply the gospel instead? Could we say, yes, brother, I understand what you're at, but Jesus loves us both. Jesus died for you and he died for me. And I'm, I'm more willing to do right than to be right right now. I'm more willing to just do what is right by you than to be right. I'll sit here in my wrongness and be wrong as long as I can love you in the gospel, right? I will sit here and do that. And even further, you say in the same way we say that Christ died for us, for you and me, when we were most opposed to him. He died for your brother and he died for your sister in Christ across the room or across the aisle. In love, we must apply that truth. We must apply that gospel to one another. And again, this is even more evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. To make sure that we get this, I want to remind you of Mark Deaver's definition of discipling. It is desiring to do good in the spiritual lives of Christ's body and in the world around us. You see then, that as we disciple one another, as we one another each other with the gospel, as we gossip the gospel with each other, you see, we then make the gospel visible in the world, and this discipleship begets our evangelism. It begets that which comes next, is proclaiming that truth to the world. And we become much more credible to the world that we're proclaiming this truth to, because they would look at us and say, you brothers and sisters are living that truth out. That truth is really a truth, because it has affected you, right? Well, Verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. See, we make the gospel visible in the world around us by making our comparison not to one another, but we compare our works in light of Christ's finished work on the cross. And we do so not in our own authority, but under the authority of Scripture alone, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God and to His glory alone. And each one of us will give our own personal account to God. We don't have to, to give an account for our brother. We give an account for us. And as, as, as Paul would say, he boasts only in Jesus Christ. He, he would come to that conclusion. Verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. I camped on this verse for a long time because I've heard it misused as a way for a preacher or a pastor to get people to give them things, money, um, to support them and all that. But as I, as I sat there and I contemplated this, I came to this 
idea, and I wanted to make sure it got out there, that I made sure that you guys know, knew that my soul is burdened for you. My soul is burdened for the lost. My soul is burdened that we might get, that we just get the gospel. And when I start thinking about the task that's in front of me each week, we can't move out. Is that I have to attempt to make the invisible gospel visible. That is my work personally. And that's the work that I would encourage the church in. It's let's make the gospel of Jesus Christ visible. Well, again, I want to tell you that the burden of my soul was summed up in, in Titus chapter 1. I would, I could insert my name in part of this and thinking just like Paul. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with Godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages begin, and at that proper time manifest in his word through the preaching with, with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. I feel commanded by God to tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel commanded and burdened that you and I would just get it. Could we just get it? And so every week as I'm burdened with this task, it's a task that seems almost impossible. And as I look around the room and I think about this, is that souls are at stake each and every time we gather. And among us, this morning, and in every church gathered on the Lord's Day, there are unconverted people. Every time we gather. And we don't know who they are. And we are burdened as a body with that task. Not only just I who am proclaiming the word up here and burdened with the task of making the gospel visible, but you and I, as we one another, each other, are burdened with that task of making the gospel visible to those that are unconverted that might be sitting right next to us, that might be sitting across the aisle from us. I know that the result of the preaching is up to God and not me. And yet I also know that I am tasked with the responsibility to accurately and compellingly present the gospel of Jesus Christ to the church and the lost. This is a labor of love. It is also an arduous task. We make the gospel visible as a church by encouraging and supporting and sharing God's goodness and provision with those that are specifically tasked with the care of our souls. It's really what this task is about. Is, is that... We come alongside, we want another, the one who is teaching us this, right? We want another him as well. We want another her as well, those who are teaching it in a Bible study, right? We want another, that person who's tasked with that goal of caring, caring for the souls of those that God has put in their place. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also weep. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith. 
You see, we manifest the gospel in the world when we recognize that the faith we claim must be at work. The gospel work that we do has eternal implications. Since the reward for our labor cannot fail, the reward for our labor cannot fail. That is an amazing truth. And since that reward cannot fail, then neither should we, in seeking to do spiritual good, in the church especially, but also in the world. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand, Paul would say. He's trying to emphasize that he too has this passion that he must give it. I'm telling you that I wrote this with my own hand and I'm making it in large letters because I need you to get it. You need to get this. You need to get this down, Paul would say to the Galatian church. Get it. You need to get it. And I'm telling you this morning the same thing. You need to get this because this is very, very important. It's important for us personally, individually, but it's important for us as a body to get this together. I'm writing you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, they would say it's something else and not the gospel. Is kind of what he was saying, right? And we were talking about how if it's something else and the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you are in a trap that you can't, you need to get free from, right? That you need to be free. And so he is saying here, those that would put you back into that trap, those who put you back in that trap, know this, that if they proclaim the gospel, Jesus says, in this world there will be trouble. To avoid trouble, I'm going to trouble you, my brother, my sister, and put this burden on you, right? But they can't be persecuted for the cross of Jesus Christ because they don't believe in it. Right? So they would try to point you away from that because they don't want to deal with that themselves, is what he's saying. They don't want to, they don't want to surrender themselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Christ on their cross. So, they put that burden in front of you and, and, and me. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Do we bear the marks? of Jesus on us, brothers, sisters. One of, the, one of those things that, yes, in the world there will be trouble, we're going to get scarred and beyond. But when we began, did we not look at the fruit of the Spirit? Also, we may get beyond, but we're bearing the marks of Jesus as we live underneath those fruits of the Spirit as, as they become part of who we are, that we are bearing that mark of Jesus Christ. So I would say this to us to close. Let us labor to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us. Let us walk in the spirit of God in unity. By our love for one another, we make Christ visible to a world blinded by sin. That God, in his manifest wisdom, would make himself known to a people that so desperately need him. Now, 
I want you to do something with me we've never done. Would you stand? And there's a slide. It's going to come up here in a minute. The very last one there, probably. I want us in unity to read this together. Okay? Because this is the truth of what we just heard from the Word of God this morning. Number one, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And everything we do is kingdom work. That is the truth, my friends. Let us live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us recognize that it is not about us. It's all about Him. It always has been. It always will be. Right? And that when we walk in the Spirit, then everything we do, everything we do is kingdom of God work. Let's pray. Father, You are good, and Your works are mighty, and Your Son is glorious. I am a thankful follower of Jesus Christ, and I pray, Lord, that Your Spirit would change me, that I would constantly bear fruit, that we as a body would constantly bear fruit, that we would one another each other so well with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we built a community that is based only on the truth of that gospel, that we would understand that we are the keepers of the best news that the world has ever heard. And that news is this, that we were once at enmity with God, God, in His manifold, infinite wisdom, sent Himself, His Son, to bear the sin and the transgression that separated us from God, that He bore that for us on the cross. And that, not only that, that three days later He rose again, that we would walk in a brand new life. Filled with the Spirit of God Himself. So, Lord, we bear that good news. Let us preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.